Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. It's not just earthquakes that shake the earth. People can, too. Especially Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> Wait, is this episode about Swifties creating earthquakes? It's about how the Earth's surface moves and the power of an enthusiastic crowd. We're about to hear the story of one scientist's quest to find out who really shakes it off. Okay, I'm really curious where this is going to go. Did you just come up with an excuse to do an episode about Taylor Swift? Look, I'm a reporter and I just follow a good story where it leads... Although I did find a surprising amount of scientific literature devoted to Taylor Swift while I was doing my research. Like, did you know that there's a millipede named after her? <laughs> I, I did not. What, what's it called? The, the uh, Taylor Swiftii Shakedophagus? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called Nanaria Swiftae, and it's only found in Tennessee. Oh, like near Nashville in recording studios? <laughs> no. <laughs> but what's the deal with Taylor Swift causing earthquakes here? That's what we're going to find out. But first, let's give our listeners the chance to think about this question. How do you think a stadium full of Taylor Swift fans would shake the earth? And how do you think scientists would find out? Think about it, because we'll be back with some Swifty science. Okay, so what kind of scientist studies Taylor Swift exactly? <laughs> well, Jackie Kaplan Auerbach is a geophysicist, which means she studies how the Earth moves. And before this study, she didn't have much of an interest in Taylor Swift. In fact, her lack of Taylor Swift knowledge was remarkable. Honestly, I didn't know that I knew her music. I'm embarrassed to say that now. But truly, I mean, I'm kind of a punk and bluegrass kind of gal. So, you know, I was certainly not somebody who would have described myself as a Swifty before I started recording the earthquakes that were generated by her concerts. Okay, wait, so Taylor Swift is literally actually causing real-world earthquakes? Uh, to be specific, they're called Swift quakes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope they're not too damaging. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a Swift quake, and why did Jackie start studying them? Well... If I may be permitted to refer to somebody's scientific research as an era, Jackie is in her ground-shaking era. I would say that I'm somebody who studies volcanoes and earthquakes. So what do volcanoes and earthquakes and Taylor Swift fans have to do with each other? <laughs> they all shake the earth in mysterious ways. So, you know, a lot of what I've always liked in the studies that I do has been the puzzles. Jackie's puzzles are found in the data that measures how the Earth moves under our feet. It's called seismic energy, and it's measured by something called a seismometer. So a seismometer is an instrument that records the ground shaking. Jackie lives in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, close to Canada. It's right near where two tectonic plates meet, big pieces of the Earth's crust that move back and forth. Which creates earthquakes and also volcanoes, right? Like lots of seismic activity of all kinds. 
Exactly. So that's why there are a lot of seismometers in the area to keep track of how the Earth is moving. Jackie is always looking at the seismic data, and she's trying to figure out what could have caused the ground to shake on any given day. And a lot of what I've always done has been interested in, you know, what, what the heck is that thing? Like, that doesn't look like a regular earthquake. What might it be? That's hilarious. I feel like what the heck is that thing should be a step in the scientific method if it's not already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it could be a lot of things. When a car drives by, it shakes the ground. When people walk, it shakes the ground. Thunder, for example, that sound can push on the ground and cause it to shake. Wow, sound can make the earth shake. So not just an impact, like dropping a rock from space. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So maybe there are like thousands of people jumping up and down in a stadium, and that causes the ground to shake. Now you're getting there. So the story of Swiftquake actually starts with a football game. It was way back in 2011 when another seismologist sat down to watch the local team play in Seattle's largest stadium and made an observation that would become famous. He was watching a Seattle Seahawks game. And he noticed that during a really, really exciting part of the game, during a touchdown, a seismometer that was very close to the stadium began to shake, and he saw that it corresponded with when the crowd got really, really excited. The seismologists shared what he saw. Sports reporters picked up the story and gave it a legendary name. We call this the Beast Quake because the guy who scored the touchdown, his nickname was Beast Mode. And the Beast Quake is something that sort of all Seattle sports fans remember. But really, Anytime you have a seismometer near a stadium, it's going to pick stuff up that, that, you know, any kind of shaking of the ground. So football fans are like, hey, we made an earthquake happen with our amazing sports team playing. (laughs) 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 But scientists are more like, yeah, probably not. (laughs) Exactly. A real earthquake is something that happens when, you know, it's deep underground and it might be, you know, Earth's tectonic plates, portions of the very, very shallowest part of the planet shifting and moving. That's not what this was. It's a quake with an asterisk, not a real earthquake, just some people (laughs) stomping. (laughs) Well, despite its shaky status as an earthquake, Beastquake became legend in the city. And scientists like Jackie started to think about what else could cause the stadium to shake. Enter Taylor Swift. Now we'll kind of fast forward to this past summer in 2023 when Taylor Swift came and played a couple concerts at the same stadium. Jackie is talking about the Eras Tour, a little series of shows that's only the most successful tour of all time as of 2024. Why is it called the Eras Tour? Because Taylor Swift has many albums that signify different eras in her music. Okay. Uh, I didn't mean to sound so angry when I said that. Maybe other people do need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow... Every single concert was sold out, including the ones in Seattle. And actually, somebody posted on the internet and said, hey, is anyone kind of doing a comparison to uh, between the Taylor Swift concerts and the Beastquake? Uh, the stage is set for the Battle of the Fans. 
Literally, there's a big stage and a huge crowd. It was the largest that the stadium had ever hosted. So Jackie answered the call of the internet. So I thought, well, this is kind of what I do, right? This is exactly the kind of stuff I love. Let's see what's making the ground shake. But before we find the source of the shake, it's time for a quick break. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust? You need Shopify for retail. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com lifestyle, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com lifestyle to take your retail business to the next level today. Okay, we're back. When we left off, Jackie had taken on the challenge to compare the beast quake to a potential swift quake. So she started by downloading data from the Seattle Stadium's nearby seismometer on the night of Taylor Swift's concerts. And, and what did that data show? The very first thing that I sort of commented on online when I looked at the Taylor Swift concert was that it was shaking a lot harder during the Taylor Swift concert than it was during the original Beast Quake. A lot harder? Wow. I mean, I guess, you know, you've got rhythm or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Swifties shook it off much harder than the football fans. But this is where the question gets complicated because the football fans clapped back. And a bunch of people said, well, you know, Marshawn Lynch didn't have an amplified sound system. Uh, Marshawn Lynch would be the football player whose nickname was Beast Mode. Yes. So the sports fans said, we didn't have a band and a huge sound system to make the ground shake. It was just the power of our enthusiasm alone. Plus, there were way more people in the stadium during the concerts. It's not a fair fight. And so kind of for bragging rights, I thought it was interesting to say, well, is it the band? Is it the amplification? Or is it the crowd? Huh. Well, yeah. So what's actually causing the shaking? And how would you be able to pull all those things apart? Yeah, that's what Jackie wanted to find out. And what's more, Jackie had noticed something really unusual in the data when she compared the two nights of the Taylor Swift concert. It was something she'd never seen before. And you could immediately see, looking at those data, that the ground shook exactly the same way on both of those two nights. So it's exactly the same two nights in a row? Like, nobody's missing a beat, is what she's saying. Like, Taylor Swift's band practices with metronomes. And you know what? Taylor is lightning on her feet. (laughs) (laughs) So between the football fans' questions and her own curiosity... Jackie decided to keep digging. What would make this happen? And what would make it happen identically on the two nights? So that was really the puzzle that I wanted to solve. Did she have an idea or hypothesis of what the answer might be? 
I mean, besides the band was really good. You know, that's such a good question, in part because I think we have an idea that we always go into science with a hypothesis. And there's no question that over time, I sort of tried out different ones. But often in science, you know, the planet kind of hands us a story that we have to unravel. In other words, Jackie was finding the pieces of her puzzle in the data and putting them together to see what fit and what didn't. Could it be the stadium? Is there any way I can rule that out? Could it be the crowd? Is there any way I could rule that out? So what I did was kind of tried on different ideas to see which I could say, well, yeah, this works, or mm, that doesn't really work. Yeah, I mean, that's really what I think scientists are supposed to do, right? Like, you don't take sides, you just stay open to the different possibilities. Yes. So Jackie started working through her questions one by one. So first, she asked, what was making the stadium shake? I was pretty sure that if it was just the crowd making the whole structure shake, that it would kind of shake at a a similar frequency. It's a pretty neat thing about stadiums, that they have their own frequency. Objects have what we call a resonant frequency, which is to say kind of a, a tone, a single tone at which they shake best. And so I thought, well, if it's the stadium, I'm kind of going to see the same tone come up over and over and over again, because that's going to be its favorite way to shake. In other words, the stadium really could be shaking it off. (laughs) Too easy. (laughs) It was. (laughs) But Jackie didn't see only one frequency in the data. What I saw was that every few minutes, the note that we heard, the frequency of shaking, um, was different. And so that suggested it wasn't the stadium. Okay, so we've ruled out stadium shaking. So what did Jackie look at next? She decided to see if it was the band or the crowd by looking at the seismic data during the band's pre-concert sound check. And so I could compare what did things, how did the ground shake when it was just the band versus how did the ground shake when the crowd was there? You could say she was looking for trouble when the band or the crowd walked in. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And she found something interesting. We discovered that there were basically two types of ways that the ground was shaking. There wasn't just one single tone. There were high frequencies and low frequencies. Jackie says even though they're not actual sound, you can think of them as high notes and low notes. So what we found was that the higher frequencies seem to be associated with the band and the sound system. But the lower frequencies, very, very, very low frequencies, way below what humans can hear, are associated with the crowd. And they're actually the crowd dancing to Taylor Swift's music. So like when the crowd dances, it's like a little bit different. Yeah, it really hits different, you could say. (laughs) (laughs) But those low frequencies from the dancing was what was actually showing up in the seismometer's data. And that's far and away the strongest signals that we recorded. And the way we know that that's the case is that every time the song switched, the pattern of shaking changed. And it changed to be exactly the rhythm of each song. 
<laughs> That's so amazing. So the ground all around the stadium was actually shaking in time to the music. <laughs> Through the crowd dancing the same way both nights. Music, it just makes us all move in sync. Yeah, and when 72,000 Swifties are dancing together, the earth moves. Swifties also keep their ear to the ground for Taylor Swift news, and they quickly found out about Jackie's research. After I posted about this online, said, hey, yeah, the ground's shaking. You know, we can see this during the Taylor Swift concert. Hundreds of Swifties reached out to me and said, I've got photos. I've got video. And they sent me all their data. <laughs> Never really think of Taylor Swift concert videos as being data, but... You know, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they became an important piece of Jackie's puzzle. She fit her new videos to the seismic data. And we could compare what the Swifties saw with how the ground shook. And so when we did that, we knew when this song went, here's the rhythm and there's the crowd dancing. So Marshall, Jackie sent me some of her Taylor Swift video data from the concert, and we're going to play it now. Can you describe what you're watching? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is such an overwhelming experience. There's just so many people and they're all like stomping in time to this very loud drum. And oh my gosh, they are really excited. So much excitement. <laughs> Yeah, even the video Whoa. is moving up and down. Yes, now it's horizontal. Oh my gosh, there it goes. <laughs> and when you get to the chorus, they really start jumping up and down faster and faster. Yeah, everybody's jumping up and down. Wow, in perfect sync. See, this is why you practice with metronome skits. <laughs> so with these videos, Jackie could match the crowd's movement to the songs in the seismic data. When it switches to this other song, the rhythm changes. This is maybe a more danceable song. And this is a slower song. And we could see those patterns exactly parallel where we recorded in the ground. Wow. So, like, Mother Earth knows how much we love Taylor Swift. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie solved the puzzle, and it was the crowd dancing that shook the stadium. She did solve the puzzle, but she didn't want to stop there, because even after she answered her original questions, just more questions came up. One of the other questions that came up was that, is this unique to Taylor Swift? Is it because her fans are so great? Or is it because when Taylor Swift walks into a room, she can still make the whole place shimmer? <laughs> is that a reference to her sparkly clothes, or is that another song I don't it's know? It's a song you don't know. <laughs> and I've yet, noticed she does tend to wear sparkly clothes, and so do her fans. <laughs> she does shimmer. Anyhow, to find out whether Taylor Swift has a uniquely powerful physical impact on the Earth... Jackie decided to compare the Eras tour to another big concert event in Seattle. And it turned out that about three months later, Beyonce came to play at Lumen Field. So Jackie's university bought her and her students tickets to the Renaissance tour. 
<laughs> for science. I want to see that line item in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so my students and I went to watch Beyonce, and it was really fascinating because you know, the Swifties and the Beehive are two very, very enthusiastic and dedicated fan bases. In other words, who shake the world? <laughs> I guess, I mean, either way, the answer is girls. Yeah. <laughs> At the concert, Jackie saw people move to the music that was so powerful in more ways than one. This music was so powerful. I just felt like all my internal organs were shaking. It was so loud and so strong. But when she got home and looked at the seismic data, the results were clear. But the Taylor Swift concert shook the ground much more strongly than the Beyonce concert. And that really surprised me. Huh. So why was Taylor Swift still winning out? I feel like... I don't know. That, that's really a shocking discovery. Yeah. Well, remember what Jackie discovered about the high and low frequencies? The music is in the higher frequencies. But the low frequencies, which actually shake the ground, come from the dancing. And apparently, Beyonce moves people side to side more than she moves them up and down. There's a little more swaying and a little less jumping, whereas to Taylor Swift, it's a crowd that was jumping up and down. And so I think we can also kind of look at some little nuances about how do crowds respond to different types of music. Even that seems to be visible in the ground. Wow, that's really, that's really amazing. I mean, could it be the dancing or could it just be the level of excitement that Taylor Swift fans have? I think it's just the dance. <laughs> Being really excited plus dancing equals ground shaking. But there was one concert that beat Taylor Swift. Oh my gosh. What was it? You're not going to believe this, but it was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I think the guy with the acoustic guitars who says like, I will be loving you till we're 70. I, that doesn't strike me as like a jump up and down kind of song. <laughs> So it wasn't that song, because Ed Sheeran brought a secret weapon to his show, which was a guest rapper. At one point, he brought Macklemore on stage, and Macklemore is a Seattle local, and people went, got, went crazy when he came on stage. And the song was Can't Hold Us, which is a really dancey, bouncy song. And that was the strongest ground shaking we recorded all summer. So this isn't Ed Sheeran, it's actually Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ed Sheeran cheated. <laughs> I don't know how he knew about this competition, but he did. And he was like, you know what can win? Macklemore. Macklemore. <laughs> so like, okay, so Ed Sheeran fans, like, do they have a name? <laughs> I looked this up, and they're called Shirios. So the winners are ultimately Shirios dancing to a Macklemore song, backed up by Ed Sheeran playing an acoustic guitar, maybe with a looper pedal or something. <laughs> for that one song, but Swifties danced for a really long time, absolutely pummeling the earth. So I think they can still make an argument for being on top of the charts. So you're saying it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> So this is all really fun, but is this actually science or is it just an awesome excuse to go to a concert? According to Jackie, you can definitely go to concerts for science. 
I mean, we genuinely are doing science. You know, people sort of giggle at this, like, oh, right, the swift quake, like that. But, but I really do feel like this is science. I think it's really important that there are stories to tell here. There are puzzles to answer. She says that her favorite part of the study was how Swifties became citizen scientists, contributing their videos as data. And so I'm kind of hoping that the number one thing this does is make people realize that we can do science in anything that we do. Well, so is the rest of Jackie's career going to be devoted to ranking musicians by their seismic power? (laughs) By their fans. Well, she does have a cool new term for this. It's called concert seismology. And maybe if you're a musician who plays a stadium show in Seattle, she's got a blank space in the rankings and she'll write your name. (laughs) That was a stretch, but I liked it. (laughs) Well done. So how do you dance to your favorite music? Next time you dance to a song, think about how your movements might be shaking the earth beneath you. Do you jump up and down, sway side to side, or do something totally wild and different? If you go to a concert where people are dancing, maybe observe how they're dancing and if they're all dancing the same way. Maybe then you can rank your favorite music by how much its fans might shake the earth. Thanks to Dr. Jackie Kaplan-Auerbach, professor of geophysics at Western Washington University. You can hear more from our interview with Jackie on our Patreon and our bonus interview episode available when you support us on Patreon for just $1 or more a month on patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. We have more resources to learn about the swift quake, which I want to be clear, probably doesn't happen just in Seattle, but anywhere where Taylor Swift is giving a concert. You can learn about that as well as volcanoes and earthquakes that Jackie studies by sound on the blog on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com. Sarah Robertson-Lentz is our editor and designed the episode art. Elliot Hijaj is our production assistant. And Gary Calhoun-James is our engineer and mixer. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made the original music and did the sound design for this episode. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. All right, everybody, here we are at the end of the episode, and we all know what that means. It's time for Patreon, people. We got a bunch of birthday shout-outs to give, so here we go. First, to Maggie, happy belated birthday on January 31st with love from Mama and Dada. Holly, your mom loves you so much. Keep thinking outside the box. And happy birthday on February 5th. Caitlin Grace, happy birthday also on February 5th. Mom and Dad love you and are so proud of the little scientist you're becoming. Maddie, Mom and Dad love you so much. Keep up the good work and happy birthday on February 6th. Mackie, keep showing up and being you. You're amazing and happy birthday on February 8th with love from Mom and Dad. Reed, keep being curious. Mom, Dad, and Hubble love you so much. And happy birthday on February 9th. To West, we hope you have an out-of-this-world birthday on February 12th. I also love robots in space. They're cool. To Sadie Jane, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Mommy and Daddy love you, and happy birthday on February 13th. To Grayson, happy 10th birthday on February 13th as well. Mommy, Daddy, and Alex love you. And finally, to Hokan, happy birthday on February 15th from Mom and Papa. 
Your inquisitiveness and understanding of the world amazes them and keep feeding your love of knowledge. So thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you want to get a birthday shout out of your own like these fine folks, simply support Tumble on Patreon at the $5 level or higher by going to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. 